Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. Welcome back to the Pistols Firing Podcast on this Tuesday. It is announcement day for Bryce Thompson. We're going to break down his commitment to the University of Kansas. Joining me as always is Kyle Porter. Kyle, big day for uh, CBS Sports HQ with the Bryce Thompson announcement. I know you spent a lot of time on there talking golf. Uh, big day for you guys. Yeah, it was all all of my worlds, OSU, CBS, golf, high school basketball recruit everything colliding at once and uh, Kyle Boone was over there at Booker T covering it so he'll he'll have some stuff later on uh when when Bryce announced were you how surprised were you one to ten how surprised about a one yeah I mean I think um that's kind of the word you and I had talked about on the last show and then even more so in the last 24 to 48 hours I think Kyle Boone posted a lot of nuggets on the on the chamber, which people should subscribe to. And you know, the word he was getting was was Kansas for sure. And that's kind of that's kind of the feeling I always had um, with with him. And and look, I didn't, I had no idea the family connections run this deep. Obviously, yeah. his dad played for Bill Self. We all, we most of us realize that uh, played for Tulsa in the in the late '90s. I had no idea his grand his grandfather played at Kansas and, and the video that he posted on Twitter, he's kind of pointing to Marshall Rogers. And I was like, who's Marshall Rogers. So I looked it up. It's his, it's his mom's dad. And he played for the golden state warriors and played for, played for Kansas. So like that, that's a lot of family ties that are hard to ignore, especially at a place like Kansas, you know, you walk in Allen Fieldhouse, it sells itself. But, but I don't know, like, like and this is kind of a weird, strange analogy. I don't even know why I'm saying it, but like, you know, when like when I was thinking about going to a fraternity at OSU, like I had family members that were SAE, so I naturally kind of leaned toward that, just because it was kind of a family thing. It just it's familiar. I don't even I, I don't even know why that I leaned that way, just because of my, you know my family that went there. But it's it's like that times obviously a thousand. But um, I don't know. It's a lot of family ties to ignore for for Bryce Thompson. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, you know, all the stuff that we were hearing behind the scenes was KU, KU, KU. I, I would have been stunned in a good way if he had picked Oklahoma State. At, you know, I, I think part of it is, and, and this is sort of a, um, I think this is more a Cade Cunningham point than anything. Like, Oklahoma State needs to, so they so part of the reason they got Kate Cunningham is because they hired his brother, right? We've been over that. That's not a bad thing. That's just reality. That's how things work. They need to get really good and fill that place up so that when I mean there's just a difference in walking into Allen Fieldhouse and Gallagher right now, Carson. At their peak, there's not. But right now there is. And when you're in on a guy like Bryce and he comes to Allen Fieldhouse and then he goes to, to Gallagher-Iba, I, I mean, I, I don't know how you could walk into those two places and not notice that difference. And so, you know, all these things factor in. And I think, yeah, your relationship with the, the coach and the staff is, is probably for most of these guys the most important thing. And I think Boynton 
is nailing that. But I think some of the other factors, Oklahoma State's they're behind on. And that's why I think next season with Cade is that's a big deal because if they can start to fill that place up, when you start to turn the tide a little bit, I, I, I compared it to remember when Gundy got uh, Parrish Cox out of Waco in two, I think it was, I think it was class of 2006. Then all of a sudden you land Dez, you land Rachetti, and you start this, you know, it's, it's a momentum thing. Recruiting is about momentum and Boynton's got it, but to keep it, I think you have to get good and fill up GIA. Yeah. The results, He's kind of ahead of the results, right? Normally yeah. you win and then get bigger, bigger recruits, kind of like 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 Gundy. I mean, it took Gundy a second to 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 get to land the big fish that he landed in Parrish Cox and in and a Des Bryant, but um, but no, I mean, I look, Boynton can't land everybody. It does stink to lose an in-state player. It, it does, you know. Yeah, I, I kind of think Kyle, his, his recruitment to me played a lot, played out a little bit like Gerald Green's in that. You know, I think OSU and, and Mike Boynton were recruiting Bryce Thompson as early as anybody, yeah. maybe the earliest. They, they were. They were the earliest. Yeah, and he just he just kind of blew up into a top twenty recruit. Like I don't, I don't think, you know, I think they obviously liked him as a player, but I don't think they thought his recruitment was going to turn turn into a top twenty player in the entire country. Where where Mike Boynton's having to fend off, you know, Carolina and Kansas. Yeah. So to me, it's kind of a situation like Gerald Green, where he kind of just blew up to the point where there was there was kind of a point of no return. Obviously Gerald was committed to OSU, went to the NBA, different circumstances, but yeah, similar it, type it, similar type development in his last year. It's a great point. And that's why it, it's almost like you want your in state guys to be like Rondell Walker or the Boone the Boone twins. So we're like they're good, but they're not too good to where you've got like Kentucky and Carolina coming in and you're like, wait a second, like I, I, I'm not, this was not supposed to go this way. Um, but you know, hopefully, you know, maybe that's the last like top kid out of Oklahoma that Boynton misses on. And I think that who knows, like, I, I don't know how this is all going to go. And, and I wrote about this on, um, on Monday, just kind of comparing, and this is, again, we talked about this last week and it's a little ridiculous because he hasn't actually won yet. It hasn't gotten to the NCAA tournament yet. But comparing Boynton to, to Dabo, I think Boynton thinks that like OSU can be the place for players to go, like the place in the country. I think you, I think you, even if he doesn't genuinely think it, he acts like he thinks it, which is you know ninety eight percent of the deal. And so, you know, I I think that five years from now, maybe whoever the Bryce Thompson is in twenty twenty four is like. Like maybe he's OSU's to lose instead of it would be a, a coup for OSU to grab him. I love your Dabo comparison. I love it a lot. I know you think it's ridiculous at times to compare Mike Boynton to a guy who's won <laughs> national championships, but I don't think you're far off. And I think the excerpt you used in your article this week about you know Terry Don Phillips, former OSU athletic I know, director, I know. kind of that the symmetry there. Uh, calls Dabo in as the wide receivers coach and, and names him the interim coach and actually says, you know what, we're going to give you a chance to win this job. And I, I'm sure Mike Boynton walked into Mike Holder's office with a similar feeling of, of Dabo in that he didn't think he'd be given a fair shot, uh, or at least, you know, a legitimate chance. Or any shot. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I think I think the symmetry there is hard to ignore, and I, I do think it's refreshing that that Boynton has said, you know what? We're going after everybody. Yep. And, uh, you know, you can't, you can't land everybody, but Hey, just, 
I think he made a real run because I do think he finished second to Kansas. Not yeah. that that's any consolation, but but uh, they made up real ground with with Cade Cunningham and and not, it's going to be fun to watch Bryce Thompson play against OSU. Yeah, in, for next sure. year and those for are going to sure. be some those are going to be some battles, man. Cade Cunningham going to Allen Fieldhouse and and Thompson coming back to Gallagher. I, I don't think people will have dominoes painted on their chest the next time Bryce Thompson comes to no, CIA. No, they might have something else painted on their chest. I, I want to ask you about. Um, well, think about this question, and then we'll talk about mid-first real quick. I heard Matt Norlander talking before uh, Bryce got on. Matt Norlander, who covers uh, college basketball for CBS Sports, he's maybe the best in the business. He's so good, knows everybody, uh, talks to everybody. He said he thought Bryce was probably, like in his opinion, maybe not a one-and-done guy, but maybe two years. Uh, maybe he go, Maybe he's at KU for two years and then goes on to the NBA. Uh, so my question for you and, and think about this for a second while I talk about mid first is would you rather have Bryce for two or Cade for one? And, uh, it, maybe that's a stupid question, but that's, uh, kind of what I was thinking about today. So, uh, mid first, we, uh, we don't have a mid first five today. We have a mid first 28 because we got 28 submissions for, for, uh, questions that people wanted us to answer. We, we put this out on the chamber uh, which is our, our forum that we've implemented. And uh, people have, have joined in mass. Uh, it's been thriving the last few days. But uh, I'm not here to talk about the chamber or the past. I'm here to talk about MidFirst. MidFirst.com slash pistols firing. You can go sign up for an OSU credit card. Uh, you can earn a $150 cash bonus. Uh, you can earn points. You can earn, uh, there's Bursar rewards options. They've got a lot of cool stuff going on there. Uh, so thank you again to MidFirst Bank, midfirst.com slash pistols firing and get your OSU credit card uh, at that URL right now. So Carson, do you have an answer for me on that? Uh, Kate Cunningham. Yes. Uh, one and done. Sign me up. Yeah, I think <laughs> Look, so too. I, I, I like Bryce. I think he's a great player, obviously. He, he's bigger than I thought. I didn't realize Bryce Thompson was 6'4". Yeah. Because you watch some of his videos, he looks like he's more of a Trey Young type. He's thin. But yeah, he needs to put on some weight. But I, I just think, you know, that, that's like asking me, do I want Zion or do I want, you know, a two-year player? Like I, I don't know if Kate, yeah, I don't know if Kate Cunningham is going to be as good as Zion. But if he's considered being the number one overall pick, that's what you're dealing with. So uh, yeah, sign me up for, for Kate and you know the Cunningham family tree. I got to stick with the Cunninghams. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Are you the other Cunningham right now, or is he the other Cunningham? Oh, I think I'm the other one. I'm just I'm <laughs> for just a, a year. Guy. For a year. Yeah, it's like I read your your website. I do double takes with you know CC <laughs> and Cunningham, and I don't know. I'm I'm taking a back seat, which is totally fine. That's uh, good for your traffic. I agree with you. He's kind of uh, Bryce is kind of like uh, who's the kid out of uh, out of Texas Tech that went in the lottery last year? Oh, Jarrett Culver. Yes, he's kind of like that, right? To where he's like. I mean, Culver was not a five-star guy, but 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 he was. I think he was two years at Tech and then on to the NBA, and you can envision that being Bryce. and And Culver was awesome, like great player. Um, and obviously, I think he won the lottery. I can't, I can't remember exactly where he got picked uh, in the NBA draft. Maybe you can look that up. But I just think, yeah, I think you got to go, Kate. I mean, Kate is like. <laughs> He's like going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. I mean, that's preposterous. It's it's insane. 
And I think when you have that, even if even if you get two years of a of a lottery guy, somebody who might go eleven or fifteen, there's just a difference there. And I think I think Cade can do what you want, what you need, which is to elevate your program for one year, fill it up, get the momentum going, and then you're off to the races if you're Mike Boynton. Yep, I I would agree with that. But it's it's an exciting time for OSU, man. What's next? They're gonna try it. Do they have one more guy to land at JT Thor kid and then they're done or how many scholarships do they have? Might, think, be, might be a better question for Boone. Yeah. Marshall Scott's writing about this today. I think it's, so they graduate what f- four guys, five. I mean, they've got, uh, they've got the big, the big three, the, the three main guys. They've got Dizzy. They've got Lindy. They've got Cam. They've got uh, the transfer from UMass, Jonathan Laurent, and they've Trees. got, is Reeves a senior? I think he is, but is he still on scholarship? Oh, uh, I can't remember. Uh, I can't remember. He he was last year. I can't remember how that deal. worked. Anyway, we should not be talking about things we don't know about. Anyway, they they have at least one, maybe two or three spots. And Marshall's going to write about this. I I think. I mean, Boone thinks that JT Thor's a lock. And again, I looked this up after Bryce committed. If they get JT Thor, if he announces later today, I am going to Oklahoma State, Oklahoma State suddenly has the sixth best class in the country Oof. as of right now. Now, that, that'll change. They'll drop a little depending on how the rest of it goes. But there is uh, somebody that Kyle Boone considers a lock. If he commits, OSU's firmly inside the top ten in terms of next year's class. So – it's not like this was an always lost thing. You know, there's probably a couple other big fish that they'll go after, but I think in the end, I, I think that you get Thor, uh, maybe you get another guy that's a top, you know, 125 guy, something like that. And you end with the 11th best class or the ninth best class or whatever in the nation. And that's a real thing going into to 2020. Yeah. I think they need to get some three point shooting because you're going to be losing Lindy, uh, Desagua and McGriff. Those are their, those are their really their only three point shooters. Other than you know, Keelan Boone showed off some some three point prowess too. But maybe that's something they could look at too as, as another shooter once. Or who knows with this graduate student stuff. You know, Jonathan Laurent came in. Maybe they'll just add another grad student next year. Who knows? But did you like how I just glossed over Bryce Thompson was asking what's next? Who else they getting? Well, Bring me all the recruits. Yeah, that's a, that, but that's that's the fun part of this, and that's sort of where I'm at with Boynton is like this is so fun to cover. Like Bryce Thompson goes to KU, okay, whatever. Like that's great. Like I hope he thrives there. I hope he goes on to the NBA. I hope he's one and done, so she doesn't have to deal with him for two years. Um, but it's like on to the next one. And with and with football, you're like, wait, uh, who? who are they recruiting again? Like what, what, what are the, who are the guys that are in for visits? It's just, <laughs> it's been a blast to cover, man. I, I know you, you feel the same and it's just been, it's been cool. One more note on Bryce before we move on to the questions. I'm interested to like, there hasn't been real fallout yet from the bill self, uh, NCAA stuff. Like I'm interested to hear how that went recruiting wise. Like, with rival schools, what they were saying about Bill Self and the uncertainty there. You know, is Bill Self going to be the coach there next year? I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with all this stuff. I am I am curious how that went recruiting-wise. And who knows? Like, what if something happens and blows up? Is there a chance that, that Bryce could get out of his scholarship and eventually end up at OSU or OU? I don't know. But that, 
that's something I, I think was factored into this recruitment that we probably should mention at least. Yeah, that totally. And some people in the chamber were like, is he actually going to sign the letter of intent? I, I don't think it, I don't think signing that really matters if something does go down. Cause I think at that point it's so, I, I don't think it's difficult to get out of it. Right. So I, wh- whether he does sign or doesn't, I think if something goes down, then all of a sudden you're looking around and you're like, well, okay. OSU is number two. And yeah, I don't know, man, that, that and is Bill Self's in the NBA. So, uh, that's fascinating. Yeah. And I don't I don't know if anything's going to happen. I, I have no idea, but I, I do think that was, that was something that I think they had to consider, um, before they made their choice. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Uh, by the way, Marshall just told me, um, so there's five scholarships available for next year. Dizzy, Lindy, Cam, uh, Jonathan Laurent, and then apparently one open one. So I guess, mm. I guess, Re- I guess Trey Reeves doesn't have one, uh, but there, there's also an extra one. Hmm. Um, yeah. So last year was like a one year deal, but then maybe, I don't know, maybe they put him on it for the second semester. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but so they filled two of those five with Rondell Walker and, and Cade. So they've got three to work with, which is, Ooh. is, uh, you know, Mike Boynton can make some magic with three scholarships. Spicy. He's going to go find another hitty Roosink in, in the <laughs> Netherlands. Uh, you want to get to these questions or do you want to go, do you want to go unis first? Um, let's save unis for the end. Okay. So I got some questions. I, uh, I threw out, um, a thread on the chamber. Uh, for our PFB plus folks. So people who are uh, yearly or monthly subscribers and uh, yeah, just so they could, you know, ask us whatever they want, get, get, uh, get some question, get to get some Q and a out there, get, get some, uh, get some people fired up. So uh, unsurprisingly, OKC Dave uh, went with the first question uh, nine weeks into the season. He said, he says nine weeks into the season, Oklahoma State's on schedule for a likely eight and four finish, which is exactly what OSU fans projected in the preseason survey, which OKC Dave runs, which is awesome. Assuming they ex- uh, finish as expected, was 2019 a successful season for OSU football? I say yes. I mean, eight wins with a, a new quarterback, with a defense in which you lost a lot up front. Um, I mean, yeah, I think. I, I said eight eight wins would be a good season. Nine wins would be a great season. So I would I would agree with that. Would you? I think I predicted nine. So yeah, I think if you go, um, it's weird because I think some of the stuff you're like, well, it depends on who you beat. Like if you beat Tech and then you lose to Iowa State, does that? Does that change things? I don't know. I, I guess not. I guess you just have to look at the overall record. Uh, but yeah, I think eight, I think eight wins and Chuba's like in the conversation for the Heisman. I think that's a pretty successful year. Yeah. Uh, they've never gone, by the way, they've never gone eight and four under Gundy in the regular season. Huh? How about that? A, it's always seven and five or, or better or nine and three or 10 yeah. and two. Can we talk about Dave's Hall of Fame tweet before we move on? I have I don't know if I saw it. Oh my gosh. Okay, Dave Hudson, OKC Dave. This was uh <laughs> This was the he was at the game in which Bryce Thompson visited. He said, "Oh yeah, I, I did took, see this." I, 
I took my son to an OSU scrimmage in diapers 15 years ago when James on Curry was visiting. Now he's keeping me posted on how many trays of nachos Bryce Thompson is consuming <laughs> as we watch the opener at GIA. Life is good. Princey's two trays. <laughs> it's like a timeless tradition, you know? It's so good. It's he's, so... he's bringing his son along like his, his dad before him. Dude, James on being there 15 years ago makes me feel old. Oh, yeah. That is oh, cr- yeah. That's crazy. Well, I... I remember that 05 recruiting class, like breaking it down with my friends in college and just yeah. like, we're going to be the best team in the country. Is what, you know, <laughs> Gerald Green is going to be dunking on everybody. It's going to be great. And then it all fell apart. <laughs> uh, hopefully history doesn't repeat itself. OSU Dan says top three. We didn't prepare anything for this, by the way. So if you, if you need to pass, you can pass. Um, OSU Dan says top three basketball movies of all time. And for Kyle, because he hasn't <laughs> – he hasn't seen a movie made since the nineties. What are your top three <laughs> sports books of all time? Yeah. Like you can do the books. I'll do the movies. Uh, growing up for me, it's gotta be, uh, blue chips was probably one of my favorite movies as a kid. Cause I was like the biggest Shaq fan ever. Yeah. Was Shaq Penny. They were in the movie. They were actually acting. It was, they were not acting well, but they were acting. Uh, blue chips is up there. Obviously you got to put Hoosiers in there. It's a classic. And then I think, White Men Can't Jump is one of my all-time faves. I have seen that. It's good. That's a good one. That's a great underrated Halloween costume. Russell Westbrook and Nick Collison were were White Men Can't Jump. That was pretty good. Top three sports books. Uh, There's a book called The Rookie that's fiction that's very good. It's about a youth baseball player. Uh, It's excellent. It's not very widely read, but I loved it. Uh, There's a book called The Masters, which was written by uh, Kurt Sampson, uh, who's a really good golf writer. That is tremendous. Just the history of Augusta, history of the Masters, and uh, a third sports book. Uh, have you have you read Breaks of the Game? I've heard that one's a, a classic. Halberstam. Yeah. No, I haven't. Uh, I really enjoyed. John Wertheim has a has a um, book about the Nadal Federer rivalry that was tremendous. I think he's a great writer. ESI. He was, I think he yeah. just left or just got let go. Uh, I can't strokes of genius. I think is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's well, excellent. I don't have many book recommendations, but if you like the NBA, you have to go back and read Bill Simmons's the book of basketball. Yeah, it was good. Just cause you learned so much about players that were before your era. It, it was, I, I was enthralled. I read it in like three days, 10 years ago. Did you, uh, came out. Oh, what was I going to ask you about? I can't remember. Oh, I'm reading uh, Boomtown right now. Have you read Boomtown? I bought it. I'm on chapter one. It's good. It's yeah, like it's great. a little. It's a little weird because the guy who wrote it is kind of an outsider, and so outsider looking in. Mm-hmm. And so I think that some of it's a little condescending. You're like, wait a second, but I think it's like yeah. I think it's good perspective, and I think it's really, I mean, it is really well written. So I'm yeah, enjoying I'm, it. I can't, I can't wait to, to, I, I started it and I kind of, this is what I do with books. I read like the first couple of chapters and put it down and then don't pick it up for a while. So I need to go pick it up again. I know I do that too. Uh, okay. We're not going to get through all these. We'll do like half today and then maybe we'll do half of them on, on Thursday as well. Uh, pokes by 90, which is a great, uh, handle on the, on the chamber <laughs> says, uh, Chipotle or Qdoba. And his profile picture is the Josh Stewart, TCU pick too, yes. which is great. Uh, it's Chipotle by a country mile. Yeah, I mean, it's, they're, it's, it's just not, better. Yeah, it's not a. It's I not don't. 
I don't need the queso to like make up for the, the actual stuff you're there for. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Pokes by 90 has another one. He says, if Ricky, Victor Hovland, Matthew Wolf, Charles Howell, Kevin Tway, Peter Yuan, and Taylor Gooch are in a seven-man playoff, in what order are you rooting for them? I know you got Chucky three sticks, number one. Yes, um, yes, and number if two. It, if it's a major, I'm pulling for Ricky just to get the monkey off his back, like get the people off of him. Just Get the people off of him. Yeah, just... I mean, he's like the most criticized golfer I can remember. You would go, you would go at a major. You would go Rick over over uh, Charles Howell. Yeah, that'd be tough though. I'd love to see Charles Howell win a major. Friend of the pod. Mm. But I, I got it. The the narratives on Ricky have gone too far. He's he's a he's a world class golfer, and people treat him like he's just a choke artist. Yeah, it's it's silliness. Um, yeah, I mean, if it's he says on here, like, does it change if it's a regular PGA tour event versus the masters? It probably does. Yeah. So I'll answer it for the masters. I would go, I would go Hal first. Yeah, I know. I mean, I just, for him to be from Augusta and to win the masters. Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's hard to, that's hard to beat. That would be unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Ricky would be out there. I, I find myself Carson rooting for Hovland a lot. More than Wolf? I think so. He's he's pretty dang likable. He's just he's great. Like he 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 doesn't like you talk to him and you're like, I don't know, yeah, his personality's fine, but then he just he's almost like unintentionally funny. <laughs> yeah, the stay off the weed line that he had. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just I don't well, know. Maybe it's a my, my guard is up. Because I'm fully prepared for him to just destroy us in the Ryder Cup every year. Oh, I know. So that that's going to add a layer of of uh, resentment that's, for me. That's going to be tough. Uh, okay, David says, does our does Oklahoma State's fan base have imposter syndrome when it comes to basketball recruiting? I don't know if I know what imposter syndrome is. I have no idea what he's getting at there. Uh, imposter, imposter syndrome can be defined as a collection of feel. Oh, feelings of inadequacy that persist despite evident success. I think that's every fan base ever when it comes to recruiting. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I, I get what he's saying in that, you know, it's been so long. I think OSU basketball fans and recruiting fans lose sight of just the tradition and the prestige that's there with OSU basketball. Maybe that's, Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think that's just like the nature of, I, I think, yeah, that's just the nature of recruiting is people get, uh, people get worked up over stuff like that. Yep. Uh, okay. Alabama poke knowing where Oklahoma state stands right now in football in the big 12. So they're uh, tied for fourth. Is that right? Yeah. Behind, Baylor, OU, and Texas. Does OSU basketball or OSU football finish higher in the final regular season Big 12 standings? I'll go – this is going to sound like Debbie Downer. I'm going to go lower just because – I don't know. I do see – as much talent as they have at OSU, I do think it's going to take them a while to figure it out together. There's so many new players. Um, and the Big 12 is just really good. So I, I'd probably hedge and say lower. Would you go higher? I would say that. F- I don't know. 
I, I, I meant OSU basketball finishes lower than, than football. Yeah, I guess yeah. What I meant. yeah, that's what I thought you meant. Um, yeah, I, I would say the same. I think football finishes better in the regular season in the Big 12 than basketball. So, some of that's just dependent on like what's left on the on the regular season schedule for football, right? So you you expect uh, eight and four, which would be uh, what five and four in conference play, and so you you expect to be probably T four or something like that by the end of the year. And I think if basketball finishes ahead of that, that's a that's a pretty big surprise, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it it just depends. I mean. Maybe that changes if like Iowa State beats Texas this week. I, I, there's so many different scenarios, but yeah, I would say I would say football ahead of basketball. Okay, here's one I want to get your opinion on. This is from Merrick. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but he says it's kind of an inside baseball question, but it's something I'm really curious about. What do you think it would take for OSU uh, to do in sport? What do you what do you think it would take for OSU to get one reporter? <laughs> or commenter on a major unbiased platform that treated OSU with the same level of respect they do for OU. Uh, the flip question of that, the flip of that question might be more interesting. What would it take for a single reporter or commenter to treat OU with the same level of disrespect that all of the current crop treat OSU with? I, the, the, the angle I want from you is you're, you're in this more in terms of the way you cover OSU and OU. I don't, know that I necessarily agree with the premise of that question. What What's your take on just how OSU and OU are covered in the state of Oklahoma? Well, this, this attitude that, that Merrick is displaying is what we call going full Aggie, going full <laughs> little brother. And it's stupid. Like the, this has gone on for years. People think like the, like some people think the Oklahomans like biased against OSU and they want to see OU do well. He says, I've, I've heard it from multiple places that it's acceptable, even encouraged, to ignore or play down the performance of OSU. Like, you got to take the tinfoil off your head, man. Nobody at my, at my place of business or any media company in the state is thinking, how can I downplay OSU so OU looks? That's not how it works, bud. Like, OU's a really good football program. They have a lot of fans. <laughs> There's a lot of... There's a lot of thirst for coverage of OU football. I'm sorry if that if it gets more if it gets more than OSU, it's because Oklahoma's ranked in the top ten and OSU is, you know, barely ranked. Like, that's where that comes from. It's it's gone on for years, Kai. This this type of stuff wears me out. I get it on Twitter a lot. Anytime I tweet about OU, people think I'm like downplaying OSU. Uh, Why do you love Baker Mayfield? It's just it's just being it's just you're you're playing into the stereotype of the person that has an inferiority complex is all you're doing with. with well, and like it's, this. it's not, I, I would argue that it's not just an OSU OU thing. It is, this is just a, it's kind of a sports thing, right? Like I, there are probably OU fans that feel this way or um, Alabama fans that feel this way. Like why do, why do we get so much more negative coverage than Auburn or whatever? And it's like, well, you're the number one program in the country for the last 10 years. You just get more coverage in general, you know? So I, I, I don't, I, I would imagine that it, rather than it being just simply an OSU thing, it's probably just a broadly, you know, more, more broadly, it's probably a college athletics thing. 
Well, he says, is there really that much pressure that a local sports commenter can't say, I'll report fairly, but I'm certainly not going to root for OU? Like, Is, is anybody rooting for OU? Well, I mean, there's, there's, there's certain people in the media that went to OU and I think would like to see them do well, but it's not as if they're they're on TV or the radio cheering for Oklahoma like that. That doesn't happen. So I don't know. It's just, you've heard that for years, right? Oh, Barry Trammell hates OSU. Barry Trammell is like the most genuine, like journalistically integrity wise person you could ever meet. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I, that, I, that, that, that stuff, I, I don't mean to, to rip Merrick, but that attitude just, just wears me out. Uh, I promise Barry Trammell does not hate Oklahoma state. Uh, he okay. goes to Stillwater all the time to talk to students. He he's, clearly wouldn't do that if he hated OSU. Yeah, he's great. Uh, uh, Brian J. Met, uh, Metacalf. Brian J. Metacalf wants to know who plays in the Big Twelve Championship: Baylor versus OU or Texas, and then who else would have a chance to make it in? Uh, doesn't OSU have a chance to make it in? They, they do. have to obviously win out, they but they do. need Oklahoma to lose. They need Texas to lose. So they need yeah. – I haven't gotten into the weeds here because the weeds are like a Big 12 handbook that I don't want to dive into. Um, they need – they really need Baylor to beat OU this weekend in Waco. They really needed that two-point conversion last week in Norman from Iowa State <laughs> because they have to have – they have to be able to control their own destiny against OU. They have to be able to give OU their third loss because they've already lost three times. And the Texas thing is more interesting because Texas has lost twice. And I think there's a world in which, let's say Iowa State beats Texas this weekend. And then Iowa State, OSU, and Texas all win. I have it. I have it here. Okay, go ahead. You want to hear the scenario? Yeah. Whoops. Autoplay uh, article. Could you hear that? No. Okay, good. It was blowing my eardrums out. Okay. (laughs) You probably you probably guess what website I'm on. Uh, OSU's road. This is from Barry Trammell on News OK. He says OSU's road to the Big uh, what 12. What website title. are you on? Yeah, News OK. Uh, the autoplay videos are terrible, but I, I love you guys' work. Uh, OSU's road to the Big 12 title game isn't crazy long. The Cowboys have lost to Baylor and Texas teams with a better record, but if OSU wins out, Texas loses twice more, and OU loses to Baylor or Kansas, OSU's in. You know, and, and Texas plays Iowa State and Baylor and hosts Texas Tech. So if Texas loses twice and OU loses to Baylor or Kansas, OSU's in. Yeah, the te- both those to happen. But. The Texas losing twice thing is tough, though. I I don't know. I mean, yeah, they play Iowa State and Baylor and on the else? road. On the road, both are on the road. Man, that Kansas they could lose those games. So two games that OSU would like. Well, three games they'd like to have back. Their own Tech game, right? And then. K- <laughs> <laughs> KU Texas and Iowa State OU. You know, if those mm-hmm. if those any of those go differently, it's a much cleaner path to the Big 12 title. I can't believe that's a sentence that I'm saying out loud, but it it's true. I think the interesting part is if Texas only loses once and then OSU Texas and Iowa State all have three losses and they've all beaten each other, you know, you get down to like the coin flip or the, you know, what, I don't know what the freaking tiebreakers are, but, um, that could get interesting, but regardless, Baylor has to beat OU because Kansas is not going to. And if Baylor doesn't beat OU, which I don't think they're going to, then Oklahoma state doesn't really have a shot. Even if they do win Bedlam here in a few weeks. Yeah. Just beat tech. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, like, if you yeah. just beat tech, you're not talking about most of this stuff. But. I know. Uh, but yeah, there there are scenarios that exist that could get there. Okay, we'll do a couple more. Uh, Doug Doug D. Uh, I'm a big fan of Doug D. He's an awesome poster on the chamber. Uh, we've emailed a few times. He's the man. He said, uh, "Would you guys trade Sanders straight up for Brock Purdy or Max Duggan or uh, Brewer? Charlie Brewer. Charlie Brewer from Baylor." Eligibility is what it is. So Sanders and Duggan have three years left. Purdy has two. Brewer has one after this season. Part of the question depends on whether you think Illingsworth or Costello uh, has a chance to beat out Sanders. And then he gives his answers. What What are your answers on Purdy, Duggan, and Brewer? I I lean towards Purdy because you get two years out of him. And, yes, you have Shane Trillingsworth coming to town. <laughs> He is so trill with his tattoos and stuff. I, I like Illingsworth. I think he's gonna be really, really good. Um, but I, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't trade him just because of the three years factor. And I certainly wouldn't trade him for as impressed as I was with Dugan. He kind of threw it up for grabs against OSU. But uh, I wouldn't trade him. I know you probably wouldn't either because you're not you're not selling any of your Spencer stock. No, I wouldn't trade him for any of them. Uh, that's probably dumb. I think Brewer's a stud. I think he's I think he's good. I have Baylor friends that are like, eh. I'm like, man, he's good. He's good. He's, he's tough as hell. So he gets he gets his ass kicked every single game. Yeah, he's really good. Like he came into the uh, to the game last year in Waco, and I was like, my gosh! Like they started um, McClendon, uh, McClendon, Jalen McClendon, I think is his name, and Brewer came in, and it was like just worlds apart. So I don't know. I'm going down with the the Sanders ship. I'm going to the bottom of the ocean with that one. If it if it goes down. Um, okay. This is a good one from orange bear. He said thought, thoughts on the comeback going for two point conversion strategy. Like Iowa state fighting back from down 21 and then risking it all on a two point conversion. Same as bedlam last year. He said, I always lean toward extending the game and going to overtime. It doesn't seem to work out very well for the team going for it. And I like my team having four downs to make something happen as opposed to rolling the dice on one play especially with Iowa State having all the momentum and OU falling apart. What, what was your take on that and just going for two in general at the end of games like that? Yeah, like I always say go for two if you're on the road and you're the underdog. Just go win it right there if you're the less talented team. But Orange Bear makes a good point in that I can't remember the last time someone did that and got the two point. You know, you can go back all the way to, who was it? Uh, Nebraska went for two against, against Miami for the national championship back in with, with Tom Osborne back in the day and they didn't get it um obviously this year north carolina tried it against clemson he, he's right in that it doesn't always seem to work out in the moment i was like yes go for two iowa state that's the right decision good for you guys but he's kind of right about ou's defense totally collapsing and th- th- it didn't seem like they're gonna get a stop the rest of the game so i kind of in hindsight kind of agree with orange bear here what about you i don't know it's it's uh I think it's situational. I mean, I, I thought Gundy was right to go for two in Norman last year. I just do. And, and you know, I think I think some of that depends on you go to overtime in your Oklahoma State, it's like, is your red zone offense good? Because it hasn't seemed like it, you know? And so I yeah. think I think it depends on some of that stuff. Do you trust your kicker? I don't know that there's a hard and fast rule. Um I, I just I, – I love the going for two. I, I love it. I think it's great. I think that's 
the majority of the time the direction that I would lean. Yeah, but in the Iowa State case, they scored 20 straight. Like yeah. they were, they really were starting to dominate. Whereas OSU, I think, was, you know, holding on. for holding on, trying to trying to hang on for dear life. Yeah. So I think and it's two different scenarios. It is for sure, and, and that's a great that's a great point by him. Uh, and Iowa State this year is probably. I mean, it's not probably. They are better than Oklahoma State was uh, this time last year. But still, go win nine games, Iowa State. Uh, okay, last one. <laughs> uh, this is from S. Coleman. Will OSU football have a down year next year, or does this defense plus Sanders carry them to 10 wins? And is 10 wins good enough to feed the monster, or will they be calling for Gundy's head again? <laughs> who's they? I don't know. Us? Who, who's, who has ever called for Gundy's head? I mean, I guess maybe this maybe is why we closed the comments. Yeah. No, I mean, I, to, to his original question, yeah, I think, I think there's a great chance it could be a down year because how many games have Tylen and Chuba won just by their sheer greatness? It wasn't as if, you know, OSU has just drawn up great schemes for those guys. <laughs> Tylen Wallace stiff-armed a dude to freaking Minnesota up their names and Chuba <laughs> gets like a slight, cr- I think that's why Gary Patterson was so salty about Chuba's performance. You know, he downplayed Chuba's performance after the game. I think he's, I, I, I kind of understand why, because like there were guys there and Chuba just, he gets one tiny little crease and he's gone. Like, yeah. Because that's, he's that's a not, that's not bad defense. He's a professional yeah. football player. Yeah. It's not bad scheme or bad defense. It's just that guy's better than everyone you have. So like, of course, I think they're going to take a, a step back, which is really concerning. And, and again, this is why you don't redshirt Chuba because you only, you're really only going to get one true year out of them because of it. You think you mean to tell me they couldn't have got more out of Chuba as redshirt year. I am something out of them. Very concerned about the running back situation in 2020. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know that they take a step back because I, I think that, I think that eight and four is kind of, if I like just off the top of my head, November 12, 2019, if I'm thinking about next year, I think eight and four for next year is like what the floor should, should be, should be expected. Cause Sanders is hopefully going to be a lot better. Um, your defense will be better, I guess should be, you know, more experienced anyway with, with some pros on that side, but yeah, the running back, I'm, I don't worry about the receivers ever because Casey Dunn is the man and just, you know, puffing on all of Jim Knowles's cigars all the time. <laughs> but yeah, the running back situation is concerning because you, you might find yourself in a situation where you're like Sanders, you're going to run it 30 times a game. And it's like, well, that seems problematic. That doesn't seem good. Yep. It's something to be concerned about, but let's get through this year first. Yeah. Uh, okay. Last one. This is also from S Coleman, uh, two part question although they didn't have anything to do with each other. He says, what's the starting five for basketball by the end of the season? And then he says, what about next season? <laughs> do you want 2023 also S Coleman? Um, I mean, I think we know this year starters, don't we? Well, but he, he's asking like, does it change by the end of the year? Yeah. I mean, I, I really could see Avery Anderson starting at the end of the year, him and just going with him and likely both. Um, you know, I know Dezog was a senior and all that, but those are your, those are probably your two best guards. Don't I don't you think, think. I don't think Dizzy should be starting. Yeah. I just. I mean. I think Avery Anderson and, and likely will be the starting backcourt yeah. by the end of the year. 
Yeah. I, can I see really that. like what I've seen out of Avery Anderson. Yeah, he's a, he's a stud. Uh, I'm excited to watch them again Wednesday night. Uh, they will be playing Charleston. Um, okay, we'll end it there. Uh, let's, uh, let's do a uniform. We're actually going to do a uniform review, Carson. Let's get to this week's uniform review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit. Your one-stop cowboy shop on Campus Corner. And be sure to shop online at Chris universityspirit.com we're doing a, a uniform review carson because uh oklahoma state put its unis out there a week early could you believe it i'm shocked like why did they put it out a week early i don't i don't get it i love it but i thought they liked the appeal of the surprise although maybe with the veterans day uh, deal they wanted to get it out there but no i i was stunned when they put it out and I've been asking for black, gray, black since 2011. We're finally going to get it. And boy, did it look spectacular. Um, I, I was blown away, Kyle, because, you know, with the military uniforms over the years, most of them, and this is not anti-American me saying this, but most of them are just gaudy and not easy on the eyes. You know, there's always some kind of just drastic American flag flying all over the uniform. These are way more subtle, way more clean, and really close to perfect. I mean, I, I don't know what I would change about them. I, I loved them. You know what the best part is? Uh, the pen, the uh, Folds of Honor patch? No, that's cool. But The, best the, the pants. The yeah. pants. Yeah. The OKST okay on them? It's sick. It's, it's so cool. <laughs> With the little orange, like, mini stripe thing. It's, yes. it's phenomenal. They, they, and I'm, I'm a, I, I like incorporating OK State and OK ST. Yeah. Far more, far more than OSU. Which I, look, I know the brand says OSU and all that, but I, I love those kind of alternate abbreviations. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, great. I, I'm in. I think I would have. I would. Wouldn't you have done the helmet they wore at Iowa State, with with the, the chrome brand and the chrome stripe instead of just the. That would have gone, I think, really well with the. the gray I didn't. Even, I didn't even notice the helmet. What what helmet do they have on? I think it's. I think it's just the one he was wearing in the video was just the the matte black with the the, the orange brand. Uh, uh, I would have gone yeah. with the. I would have gone with the chrome brand and the chrome stripe they wore on the road at Iowa State. Yeah. But hey, beggars can't be choosers. They look yeah. awesome. They they do look awesome. I'm excited about them. Uh, a plus for. But like, if they can do this, can't they? do full throwbacks every year i don't know i don't know the, i don't know the rules yeah i don't read it i <laughs> i don't I, read the uni rule book I, <laughs> uh speaking of rules mid first bank they follow the rules jd power highest satisfaction score for the second year in a row uh the, the oklahoma reader's choice awards best bank for the sixth year in a row carson and the best mobile app for the Oklahoma Reader's Choice Awards for the second year in a row, um, so they have uh, they've notched a lot of awards. We're we're hoping for some Chuba awards at the end of the year. Oklahoma or the Oklahoma and the Mid First Bank uh, has already uh, scored a lot of those. So, congrats to them. Uh, check them out if you're if you're a listener. And we need to. What else do we need to do, Carson? We got anything else? Is that it? I think that's it. We'll do another one this week. Um, We'll talk more about Chuba. I think there's a lane opening for him to get to New York, but we'll, we'll talk more about that next show. I know. We do need to hear, before we go, we need to hear one more time 
uh, from our other sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. So let's hear from them, and then Carson and I will be back to wrap this thing up. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma, is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson. Um, yeah, I'm with you on the Chuba thing. I think that, you know, it's funny because somebody the other day was hollering about, I think it was somebody in the chamber said, uh, do Chuba's stats against FBS opponents only? Because his worst game is against McNeese State. <laughs> yeah. And, and, it's, yeah, and yeah. it's funny because usually you have to filter those games out because like to get a real number. And in Chuba's case, it makes his number even better. <laughs> it's incredible. He's averaging like 198 against, or I, I don't, I can't remember. I think it's 195 against FBS only opponents. And yeah, I, I hope they let him go against KU. You know, I, I hope, I hope it's like 160 in the first half, and they just, they just let him go in the second to try to get just as many as possible against, you know, Kansas is good, but they're, or excuse me, they're not good. They're better. Uh, but I don't think they have the horses to, to roll with Chuba. Yeah. I mean, first and foremost, you got to go win the game. I think Kansas has improved. I think less makes them a tougher out than they've been in a long time, but let's face it. Chuba only needs a couple runs really to, to, to get his Heisman quota and then you can get him out of there um, and save him for, you know, obviously Oklahoma and West Virginia. Yeah. But it, no, I, I would look to see, you know, obviously if he puts up like a another 250 yard performance, I think he'll be the talk of the country again. So that, that certainly wouldn't hurt his cause. Yeah. He's inching closer to 2000 only been done. I think it's 31 times, 31 seasons ever of 2000 yards. So that'll be a, a big talking point this weekend. Carson, for some reason, middle of November, I'm losing my voice. I'm just hyped about OSU basketball recruiting, I guess. And uh, I need to go rest that. We will talk later in the week uh, following OSU's basketball game on Wednesday. We'll preview KU on Saturday. And uh, who knows? Maybe Mike Boynton will have a top 10 class by the next time we talk. Let's work. <laughs> we'll talk to you later, Carson. <laughs>